Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. A few weeks ago uh, on a Sunday morning, you know, I was headed to Wiley and got in my truck. And when I came out, getting ready, and I'm like, oh, no. Y'all remember some of you who didn't garage your car about a few weeks, two or three weeks ago? There was like a half inch of ice on my window. I'm like, come on. And so I looked at it. I'm like, do I want to go through this? No, I don't. I'm a risk taker. I'm like, okay, let's just fire this baby up and let's go. I'm talking, it's like half or a quarter inch. Of ice. It's a lot of ice, all right? I didn't want to get my hands all cold. I don't want to do, I'm like, you know, defrost works pretty good these days, you know? And, and so, you know, I creep out of my neighborhood. I didn't kill anybody or anything, didn't any park cars. And so we, we have a little country highway right behind us. And so I get on the highway and, and there's this sharp curve to the left, okay? And I know the curve really well. There's a lot of wrecks have happened there and stuff. And, and there's guardrails to keep people in. And so, so I'm, I'm doing this. It's all good. And I'm, I'm risk-taking. I can't see. I'm like this. And I'm just barely. And I'm, I'm not going speeding. I'm just chilling. And I'm making it. So, until I turned east on this curve, the sun hit me. I, I thought it was the United States Air Force with literally laser warfare hitting my two eyes. It hit the, the sun, hit the ice, hit the glass. And it just like magnified, intensified into my, I, I could not, I am not kidding. I put my brakes on, okay? There are cars behind me. There are cars coming past me. I'm on a you know, two-lane highway. And I, this is how fast I am going around the curve. I'm not This is about how fast my car, I could have run faster than I was. I was going about two miles an hour. I mean, and I'm like, I cannot see anything. I'm trying to stick my head out the window. It's horrible. I finally get to a little turnoff, and I get there, and I'm like, okay, I'm into risk, but that was kind of stupid. You know, that did not work. And so I get the thing out, and I scrape, take about three or four minutes, and my hand, I get back in the truck. My hands are freezing. You know, I, I feel like I'm perspiring under my suit. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And so I, I get in the truck, and I start going, and there's the sun, and I can see. And I think about that, and, and, I, and, and, I, and for today, I want you to think about this. Vision sometimes requires us to stop. Vision sometimes requires us to go through a little pain. Vision sometimes requires us to give some effort. And so if you want to have vision, sometimes you've got to stop. You've got to press through pain. You've you, you got to push through in order to see. You know, the areas in my life that I look at and I see that are most fruitful, uh, I think there's a reason why they're fruitful. I think in the areas in your life that... If you're fruitful in certain areas, you need to look and say, why am I fruitful? Why do I do well with this? Almost every time, you can almost bet that it will be because you've had long-term vision in that area. The reason why, you know, Lisa and I have a fantastic marriage. We do have a fantastic marriage, do we? Okay. She said yes. She said yes, all right? And again, 30 years later, she's saying yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Because we've had vision for decades for a whole and healthy marriage. The reason why, as parents, we're doing okay, all right, 
There's Stephen. I don't know how well we did, but that's we're, we're doing okay. All right. Is because we've had vision for a long time. The reason why, you know, I, I can, uh, my mind is for the most part pure and controlled and, and I'm po- a positive thinker is because I continue to have vision for my mind being pure and focused. And so it's important to know that the clarity of your sight determines the future of your life. I'll say it again. The clarity of your sight determines the future of your life. An easier way to say it is basically what you see is what you get. You say you might want something in the future. Well, let me ask you this. Do you see it? Do you have a vision for something in the future? You can pretty much tell what your life's going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road by what you seeing right now what are you seeing what do you see about your family what do you see about your children what do you see about your marriage what do you see about your schooling what do you see about your career there's a good chance what you see is going to be what you get so today the the message is entitled I see myself free I see myself free my heart today and the aim for me today as I've prayed through this message is that we leave here today, every person leave here today, knowing that freedom is for you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what your pain, no matter what your hurt, no matter what it is that you're bound with, my heart today is for you, that you can leave here, whether you're free or not, but you'll know that you can be free. That you can know that you'll be free. The person who's dealt with rejection and abandonment, insecurity. I want you to know, you've had that for a long time. You can be free of it. The person who's walking in depression and you've had it for years and years and years, you've identified with it. I want you to understand and know that God wants you to be free. The person who's dealing with pornography and impure thoughts and an impure life, and you feel like you're out of control, and you feel like, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I want you to understand something. God's heart and his desire for you is to be free. The person who's dealing with guilt from the past, shame from the past, condemnation from the past, and it seems like you just can't shed that junk. I want you to know something. God's desire is for you to be free. He desires you to be free. It's in his word. His word is for you. He is declaring freedom over you today. You know, I... I, I think about the definition, my definition of freedom. You think it's some long, it's just real short. The ability to choose. The slave has lost every ability to choose. The free man has choice. Does that make sense? Financial freedom, you have many choices. Okay, but if you, you, you have fear, you don't have choices in those areas. You've lost choices. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It's for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free. Okay, it's kind of a little play on words, right? It, it's for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free. It could be a good song, you know? It's for What's that mean? It's a lot of freedoms and sakes. and for, you know, It's like, what does that mean? It's like kind of redundant, but it's not. Listen to it. It's for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free. He set us free from the bondage of sin and death. No longer as believers are we going to hell. We're going to heaven. He has set us free. He's cleansed us. For us to walk in freedom. He's freed us so we are to walk in freedom. We're not to, we're not to be free 
and going to heaven, and he saved us in order for us to walk in bondage here on the earth. It's for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free, and the scripture goes on to say, therefore, okay, keep standing firm. If you want to walk in freedom in a certain area, please know the headwinds of the enemy are going to come against you, and you're going to need to plant your feet and stand firm. There is a resistance. There's something that we have to do. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm. Do not go back and be, a, be subject to a yoke of slavery. That's what we were. That's not what we're called to. I declare to you today, your chains are not intended to be permanent. They're not. You're, you are to be free. The chains are not there for, for, they're for temporal basis. You should be free. You should understand you can walk in freedom. I want you to get that. I want you to know that. I know that there's people, there are people here today that you have pain. I know you've been discouraged. I know you've, been, you, you've lost hope. But I want you to know that God wants you to be free. Here's a key. Here's a key. You've got to see yourself free before you will be free. You have to see it. If you can't see yourself free in a certain area, I hate to say it, you're not going to be free. But God's word is clear. He tells us that we can see ourselves free. His word, it's the truth that sets us free. And his word says that we're free. I think about the scripture in, in, in Proverbs. It says... <clears throat> That where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. There, there, where there's no vision, the people perish. That word unrestrained. It's kind of like me at Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's a great definition. Okay, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so there might be a time in my life where I'm really focused on being thinner and being better looking. And it's not at Thanksgiving usually. Okay, we're unrestrained. That's that's and so in our lives, if there's an area, let's just say an an area of lust in your life, if you're unrestrained, that's what he's talking. About. It just there's no ability to choose. You just continue to go that direction. Where there's no vision, there's the people unrestrained. So in other words, if you want to be restrained, if you want to have focus, if you want to have vision, then you've got to. It says grab a hold of vision and begin to dream and begin to say, I can be free in this area. This is kind of a sad thing, but if you don't have vision for freedom, then you need to understand you have vision for bondage. It's one or the other. Because we're unrestrained. That's bondage. And so we've got to have a vision for freedom. Now, will you turn with me to the book of Exodus? The book of Exodus, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I want you to understand the setting and, uh, of this passage. This is when the people of God, the Israelites, have been enslaved in Egypt for literally generations. Okay, Many of them, that's all they knew. They've been enslaved. They've been ensnared. They, 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 they've been tortured. They've been beaten. Slave labor. It's been, it's been horrible. Okay, And the Lord is speaking to Moses about delivering them. About letting my people go. You know, that whole deal, right? And so, and so he's talking to him. He says, I want you to tell the people this, Moses. And so this is what the Lord says. 
And I affirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they are living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people. I love that. God Almighty hears the groans of his people. Who are now slaves in Egypt. It says, And I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from the oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with the powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. Verse 8, I'll bring you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, and I'll give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Pretty cool passage. Next verse. So Moses goes and tells the people. Can you imagine? He's all excited. He's like, oh, I got a word, I got a word from the Lord for you. Freedom. I mean, this is a great word. So he comes in there and he gives the word. And the scripture says, but they refused to listen anymore. And before we say, oh, well, they're hard-hearted. They're rebellious. They just need to be enslaved. Look what it says. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. So we see in this passage, first of all, it's really, really clear that God says he wants to free you. Freedom is for us. He he looked at the people of Israel and he says, no more slave labor. No more beatings. No more torturing. No more oppression. Freedom is for you. You know, God did not save us from bondage to keep us in bondage. It just makes so much sense. He didn't go all this way to get us out of bondage so we can stay in bondage. He just didn't do that. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son of Man has set you free... You will be free indeed. It's the freedom that we're claiming. You know, not only do we see in this passage that he says freedom is for you, but I call it freedom plus. He says, you got freedom plus. Like the plus card, you know. It's like you go to the grocery store. I got my plus card, you know. I can get two for the price of one, you know. And so not just not just freedom, but you get extra. You get the, 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 the Cadillac version of it, all right? You got the plus. And so what I want to do is I want to go through this scripture, and I want you to grab a hold of this. This will be one of the most important parts of this message because we're going to be grabbing the scripture, and I want you to begin to receive it in your heart. We see, first of all, there's no doubt in this passage, it says he's going to free them. He's going to free them. Then he goes on, he says, not only will I free you, but I will redeem you. In other words, he sees something that's seemingly worthless. He picks it up. He brings it home. He brings it to himself. I will redeem you. Then not only will he free you, redeem you, but the scripture in this passage says, I'll claim you as my own. As a father would claim his son or daughter I claim you as my own. You're mine. Daughter, you're mine. Son, you're mine. He'll free you. He'll redeem you. He'll claim you as, his, as your own, his own. Then he says that he'll bring you. 
I'll bring you to the land of milk and honey. I'm going to bring you to the promised land. You don't have to go on your own. I'll be there. I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you to that great place. I have something better for you. I'll walk with you. And then he ends up saying, I'll give it to you. Not only will I bring it to you, bring you to it, but I'll give it to you. It's the covenant. It's the covenant. The covenant that he swore to the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give them the land. There was a covenant there. And listen to some of this passage, okay? Listen to this. Grab a hold of it. This is God Almighty, and this is what he says. I promise. It's a promise, he says. I promise. You say, well, I don't know if freedom's for No, 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 no. Freedom's for you. Freedom plus. I promise is what he says. Then he starts meddling, and he says, I swear. I'd got in trouble when I said, I swear. To, if I said that to my mom and dad, I swear I didn't do it. Boy, that, you, you just did it. Man, but I guess God didn't get the memo, okay, because he swore. Not only did he promise, but he says, I swore. And then he gets legal, and he goes, under its terms. Talking about the covenant, under its terms. He's saying, I just want you to know it's legal, too according to my word, under its terms. Then he goes on to say, you can be sure. You wonder if freedom's for you? You can be sure. You wonder if freedom's plus for you? You can be sure is what he's saying. And he says, by the way, I'm well aware of it. I know I'm well aware of this. You can be free. You can have the freedom plus. And he ends with saying, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So powerful. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or even can comprehend. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we ask or even can think of. Listen to me. This is the God that we serve. He's able to do beyond. He's able to give you freedom. He's able to give you freedom plus, plus, plus. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that we ask or even can comprehend. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He doesn't. He does not want you to stay where you are. So that's why I think we need to ask, can you see where you are? Can you see? Can you see freedom? Can you see it? That's my question to you. In this passage... With the, the Israelites, we're going to see if they saw it or not. Let's take a look at it. In verse 9, it says, all this great stuff. Hadn't it been a great message so far? I tell you, that dark chocolate works. It's been fun. It's a great message. It's encouraging. But they refuse to listen anymore. It just breaks my heart thinking about it. They refused to listen. They couldn't hear it. They had become so discouraged by the brutality of their savior, of their situation. You look at their slavery. You think about when you hear something you don't want to hear. Somebody starts talking. I used to do it like when I have four sisters. And when they want to start saying something. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear. You know what I'm talking about? And you put your, you put your hands over yours. That's what the Israelites are doing. But it was 
a de- it was a desperation gesture. I could see their hands. And every time you do this, you automatically close your eyes. It's a good time to punch somebody, by the way. You got their eyes closed, they can't hear you or see you. Boom, all right? <clears throat> They're literally got their ears closed, their eyes closed, saying, no, 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 Moses, don't you tell me that. Don't you tell me that God wants to free me. I am way too miserable. I've been here way too long. I do not tell me. I don't want to hope. I've prayed it hadn't worked. I've been depressed for this long. Don't tell me I can get depressed. I've been dealing with bondage this long. Don't tell me I can get free. You say that I can be free from rejection, but I have felt it forever. Don't tell me. Do not tell me. Don't. I can't hear it. So many of us say that today. We go to church. We've prayed the prayers. We've given the tithe. And there's areas in our lives that we're like, I've prayed. Why hasn't God come through? I don't have the answer for you. But I do want you to understand the Bible says in verse 5, it says that he hears your groans. He hears you. He hears your groans. He's intimately involved in your pain. That's, but when we close our ears, when we shut our eyes, and we say, I can no longer have vision for freedom, we'll not experience it. It goes on to Isaiah chapter 5. It says, therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. They have no sight. They have no hearing. They're not... They're, They're not buying in, and now they're in captivity. So I want to give you three ways today uh, for you to see freedom more clearly. We want to see freedom more clearly. I want you to be able to, to know without a shadow of a doubt that you can be free in whatever area it is. And so let's take a look according to this passage, and let's see three areas that you can see freedom more clearly. First of all, you got to see beyond your norm got to see beyond your norm, what's familiar to you, what you know. If we allow what we know and what we experience to be the truth, we'll always walk in bondage. So we've got to be able to see beyond that. we got to see God's word, and we got to grab God's word in order for us to walk in freedom. I know you say, well, I'm used to bondage. I'm used to being depressed. This is what I do. I'm used to having this anger issue. I'm used to having these thoughts of death. It's just what happens. I'm used to having my mind uncontrolled in a lustful way. This is just what happens. I understand that. That's what you are used to. That's your familiar, but you've got to be able to see beyond your norm. You see, if you see yourself living the rest of your life just as you are, you will be. It's going to happen. Then you will. That's the way it will be. You will live the rest of your life just like what you see. Secondly, we've got to see beyond our pain. Not only do we need to see beyond our familiar and what, what's norm, then what, even if it's norm is as ugly and nasty as it might be, we've got to be able to see beyond our pain. You see, pain paralyzes us. Pain paralyzes us. It really blinds our vision. It's kind of like the moment I catch a cold. Okay, I'm not talking about the flu. I'm not talking about something that's going to kill me. Okay, but I catch a nice cold. All right, 
and I don't walk in faith and kick. I, I just, I'm just receiving. And then I start taking, you know, cold medicine, vitamins, and I pull my hoodie over and make it real tight where I can only see this much. And I got the blinds down and I'm away from everybody and nobody can come around me unless they're serving me, okay? <laughs> Are, wives, do you have any men like that at home? Yeah, it's kind of the way we is, all right? That's how it happens. And, but that's what happens when there's pain. It blinds us from freedom. It blinds us from our future. It stops us down. Many of you know Diane Perkins. Diane Perkins is one of the heroes at our church. We love her. She's at uh, our Wiley campus. It started from the beginning, helped us build that campus up. She's a very influential person and, uh, and a helpful person. Um, some of you might not know, though, her story. She's had a tough story. She's had a tough life. When she was in college many years ago, um, she went a little further than she felt like she needed to with, with a guy. And just in her religious kind of background, she felt like because of that, she had to marry this guy. So she married the guy, and for a year and a half, this guy just acted like he wasn't married. He was going out with all kinds of girls. And, and she ended that, obviously, that marriage ended and she was brokenhearted. Could you imagine a young 20 something young lady already divorced and wondering, is my life over? It's tough, tough, tough. A number of years, just a few years later, she met a guy that they really got along well, and she was excited, and, and this is going to be the guy that's going to redeem me and going to bring me, and it's going to be a great thing. And they, um, they end up uh, having a baby together, and while she's, has, while she's pregnant, they find out that she has cancer. And so after they deliver the healthy baby and she delivers the healthy baby, she has to have a total hysterectomy, so no more babies ever. The marriage was a tough marriage over the years. He was an alcoholic. He would beat her. It wasn't safe for her daughter. And so you think of this Diane Perkins, and we see her today. She's strong, and, you know, and she's in a woman's shelter with her daughter running from her husband. She's in her late 20s at this point. Divorced twice now. Lower than low. Number of years go by, six or seven years go by. She had met a man that really was a good man that loved her. Before they got married, come to find out she had breast cancer. She has had breast cancer and and had to fight it with all kind of chemo, with all kind of side effects, and they went ahead and still got married. And for twenty four years they were they were married. They raised their daughter together and Went to church and served and seemingly a happy marriage. But four years before they divorced, her husband just got caught up in some stuff, some sexual stuff. I don't think he meant to. It just happened, and he could not get out of it. For four years, he, he didn't do what he needed to be doing and Unfortunately, the marriage ended up in a divorce. Three times a divorce. Then, then, then she has a brain tumor. The, brain, the tumor is wrapped in her, embedded in her brain. And 
and all around her ear and in, in her ear. And, and it wasn't malignant, praise the Lord, but it was unbelievably excruciating, painful. Um, they went in and they did surgery and got it out, but they had to totally take her hearing. And, and so one of her ears doesn't work. She came out of surgery, could not walk, had to learn all over how to walk again. She's like, Lord, what am I to do? About that time, she looked at the Lord and said, I am not going to be a bitter old woman. These are the words that she said. She said, I looked at the Lord, Pastor, and I said, I'm not going to be a bitter old woman. And she pressed through her pain. She said, I began to get into Bible studies. I began to press in. I began to go deeper in my, uh, my walk with God. And every step of the way, God would heal me and heal me. And every time I took a step forward through my pain, God would heal me. During this time, she was on fire for the Lord. And she's at work one day. And somebody's sharing a need. And she says, can I pray with you? And she prays with them. Next day, she's fired for praying with somebody at work. She said many times where people have stolen money from her, taken advantage of her. But I want you to know this is what she told me. She says, Pastor, I know it's all it sounds bad and everything, but God has renewed my joy. I have joy is what she said. I have joy not in my circumstances. I have joy in the Lord, and he is my strength is what she said. She says, I want you to tell the people that God is good. God is good. He's faithful, and he, is, he, and he will remain faithful. I want you to understand something. We who know Diane is one of the most influential people for the kingdom and our church because she's pressed through that pain. I understand in a group like this, there are people here that you've probably lost a loved one, maybe a mate, maybe a child, maybe a parent. It could be that you've gone through a divorce or two or three. It could be that you've had some type of illness and you've been battling this thing. I don't know the pain that you have, but the Lord knows the pain. I wish I could tell you why you've gone through that pain. I cannot tell you why, but I can say and remind you once again in the verse 5, it says, I have heard the groans of my people. The Lord says he's heard your groans. He's heard your crying. I love the scripture where it says he bottles our tear, every tear. He bottles them. Do you know what that means? That means God is saying, I am close, intimately close. He is collecting tears. That's how close he is. That's how intimately he involved he is in your pain. But, listen to me. We all go through pain. But the scripture tells us that Jesus died for our pain. He bore our pain. He bore our suffering. doesn't mean that we won't go through pain and suffering. But what it means is he took it and we don't have to live in it forever. So if you want to begin to have some clarity and see freedom in your life, you've got to be able to see beyond not only the norm, but also your pain. And lastly, you've got to be able to see beyond your discouragement. I know it can get discouraging. I know it can. And I just sense even right now, people, there's some very discouraged people you've prayed you've believed you'd hoped and you and you still are there the scripture says they refuse to listen 
I pray that we wouldn't refuse to listen. But the reason why they refused to listen is because it says they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. When you're beat down and you got chronic pain and you chronic issues and you just you prayed, you've sought, sometimes it just gets discouraging. Today, the Lord says in Isaiah for you, He says, tell the captives, come out. You don't have to be enslaved anymore. Come out. Tell those who are in darkness, be free. Be free. I understand the scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And I know we get sick because we hope, 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 and it's deferred, it's deferred, it's deferred. It's put off, it's put off. And our hearts sometimes grow sick. But you see in that passage, it says... It says, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The antidote for a sick heart, the antidote for not having vision is this. It says, the antidote for having a, for the, the, the heart that's sick, it says, it's a dream. To start dreaming again. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It says, but a dream fulfilled. So I know the hope is deferred, but we can dream again. And so even today, I have the audacity to touch you and ask the Lord to touch you in your most difficult, painful spots where you've put them down and said, this is just the way it's going to be. And, and, and I'm asking you to dream again. I'm asking you to grab a hold of the freedom plus that he has for you. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.